I think what I realized is that for some people, there's going to be, you know, one yoga pose that maybe that changes their life, right? Um, or for some people, one meditation practice that it just really lights up their brain and like do new things, this is it, and it shifts everything. And when it comes to sexuality, for me, it feels like for every single person who does this work, it's been transformational and life-changing. So obviously each person has their own stories and stuff and some people trauma and things to kind of move through, but ultimately showing up and being present and doing that work always shifts things in an expansive and healing way. And from that place, feeling into, ooh, how can I open it more? How can I be more in my heart? You know, what does feel good? And how can we expand that? What else is possible? Help Me See is a podcast that redefines the word vision. Through vulnerable and real conversations, my own private introspective ramblings about the things that I think about in the wee hours of the morning, and my deep core belief that your nothingness is your everything, and all you have to do is see. I'm Bianca Mora. I'm your host. I am an educator, a photographic artist, and I believe that your daily photo habit can be the key to unlocking the ability to be more present in your everyday life and live deeper into your intention and purpose. We're not about the small talk here. Grab your coffee, get cozy, and let's talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me See. Today I'm dragging ass. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I was just on a trip to California for five days and um, with my partner and not with our kids. That was the longest um they've ever been without either one of us. I went away for a business trip, um, the other month for two weeks. So that was crazy. That was a very long time, but, um, my partner, Ben was with them. They were with, um, his parents and the whole situation was a little bit crazy. So my son, while I was out there ended up in the hospital overnight, my youngest. Um, and I was freaking out, (laughs) freaking out. Um, it was a very out of control feeling, but I'm also, I'm not, I don't, (laughs) it's hard for me to say I'm grateful that it happened because it, it was truly horrific. I, my whole body was like prickly and I could barely breathe. I was so upset and freaking out, but being that far away and having no control over the situation and witnessing it turning out fine is something I needed to experience. I'm fairly certain. Um, And it's funny because on the, on the plane ride out, I'm, so I'm starting this new course around 
how to stay calm and connected to your vision, you know, no matter what the circumstance. Because as a photographer, it could be easy to get overwhelmed or feel stressed or pressure to perform in a certain way during a shoot um, that isn't exactly authentic to your vision or how you would have done it for yourself if no one else was around. And I was truly forced to practice what I was preaching in those pages <laughs> because I had a, a family session that next day and that also went wonderfully. So that was some tough loving, tough learnings, but something I'm still processing as a really valuable experience for me. Something I did not want, but needed to go through. So I'm going to talk more about my California experience and just about California in general in another episode. I was going to just say a few words, but I was like, you know what? I think this kind of requires a little bit more time. (laughs) I I think there's something important about holding space for the idea that sometimes somewhere other than your home can feel like home and all of the um, complexities that can surround that and what I may or may not do next. (laughs) So to be continued on that one, that's going to turn into another podcast episode. I'm sure Um, you guys will help me process that in real time. (laughs) Should I start paying you as a therapist? Um, so today, okay, today on the show, we have a very exciting guest. We have Sarah Kuzno, who is a coach. She's a doula and how she most loves titling herself. She is a witness of miracles. I mean, just that in and of itself should tell you everything you need to know about Sarah. Um, She sent me a little bit about her. So I'm going to read it here before we go into her episode. She said, throughout my journey, I've evolved through education and practice from an accountant into a holistic nutritionist, yoga teacher, massage therapist, meditation teacher, sex and relationship coach, and birth and postpartum doula. I coach women who want to experience more joy, pleasure, and fulfillment in their lives. Many of these women are experiencing burnout, chronic illness, or have experienced previous trauma and abuse. So Sarah is the real deal. She comes from this place of knowing she has been there. She has lived the life that felt misaligned and found her way to her own very unique personal vision uh, for her purpose and her mission and her joy and her pleasure. And she's a stand for all of us to take our pleasure seriously right? Like pleasure is not a frivolous, nice to have sporadic thing. We all have a right to immerse ourselves in pleasure as often as humanly possible on this 
planet and on this very short time in our lives. Sarah and I talk about her journey with chronic illness and making the move from, you know, climbing the corporate ladder to creating this whole new magical life for herself based on her intuition and what felt good to her. Um, she talks a little bit about her program, Activate Ecstasy, that she has coming out. Um, she talks about all of the ways in which the way we do one thing in our lives can be the way we do many things. And sometimes having an issue in your career, in your work, in receiving money can be linked to other areas of your life. Maybe your relationships and your intimacy, um, yourself. So it's a really, really important conversation. And I hope you get a lot out of it. Sarah is coming to us from Egypt. And at the very end, (laughs) it cuts off kind of abruptly. And we don't get to say goodbye to Sarah because her internet went out and we lost her. But if you want to follow Sarah and learn more about her program and just be in her world, because it's a gorgeous world to be in, uh, go to the show notes. I have her website and her Instagram linked. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the magical, beautiful Sarah. Hello, hello, and welcome to another Help Me See episode today. We have a very special treat. We have Sarah Kuzno coming all the way from Egypt talking to us today. Uh, I am so, so excited to have Sarah on the show. Sarah and I have met recently through a magical mastermind of sorts um, under Haley Carr, and I have just, it has been a pleasure of my life to get to know Sarah. So I'm happy to bring her to you today. Sarah, how are you? Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I'm wonderful. And I'm so happy to be here and excited about this conversation. Thank you for inviting us. I'm so excited. I know. I just, we were chatting a little bit before I hit record and I was like, let me just hit record because I know we're going to just get into it. (laughs) Um, Today we're talking about uh, the tendency to look outside of ourselves for the answers Mm -hmm. and how long that might take and how the whole time when you find yourself the most confused, it's usually when you're the furthest away from yourself. So Sarah, um, before we get down to the nitty gritty, I would love for you to let, let our listeners know what it is that you do and your story beforehand and what brought you to this place, because I feel like it's such an interesting and critical part of this conversation. Yes, of course. So I feel like I do so many things, but the base, the piece of that is coaching and holding space for people to connect to their most authentic selves and the work that they're here and what they're here to create in the world, their vision and dreams and making those possibility. And specifically the spaces that I work in now are with women around sexuality and relationships and around birth, because I found that those pieces have been the most transformative in my experience and the studies that I've done. So it's actually the opposite side of where I started. I started in business school in university and I became an accountant and had a bit of an international finance career, traveled around the world, worked for some big international companies, 
and then burned out and moved to the jungle on one of the small islands in Hawaii on Big Island. Went off grid, moved to the jungle, took some time. And in that space, I had already kind of been studying yoga and holistic nutrition in the background. I knew that what I was doing wasn't fully my passion. Um, but after I made the switch fully, I decided to go back to massage school and I studied more the body and anatomy. And then in that time, I also got really involved in meditation and helping to run silent meditation courses for people um, based on the pasana. And then I did the whole mentorship in sexuality and relationships. And it was actually in that mentorship that I started learning about birth as well and realizing, oh, there's kind of a whole other narrative and truth to the possibilities of birth from what I had been told and what society, in my view, was telling us. Um, and it kind of is how I settled on those two pieces. For me, it's like sexuality and birth have the potential to be some of the most transformative, empowering experiences in our lives. And they also have the potential to be quite traumatic because of the lack of resources, because of the, the way that it's portrayed to us by society, because of all of these things that are kind of in that space. So now I'm in that space kind of trying to create resources that will support women and couples and families um, and just offer information and space where do I start? Uh, I know when you say that, you know, sexuality and birth, it's this opportunity for, for transformation. And, you know, I think that largely is looked at as things to get through, you know, like, it's like, okay, I just have to get through the birth or, okay, just, oh God, he's in the mood or she's in the mood, whatever. Um, so I love this idea of turning our attention back to it as not just like a, nice to have, or, okay, let's get it over with. And let's really um, dive deep and understand more about this. But before we do that, I did want to ask, <laughs> it kind of, it opens up this whole conversation, the jump from accounting to what you're doing now, <laughs> obviously a very large jump, but as you, as you told the story about how you started to go deeper and deeper into, okay, you did the yoga classes and you got into meditation, whatever. So all of that is like breadcrumbs in where you started like kind of listening and like listening and leaning in and leaning in. What would you say was, was the point in which you're like, okay, there's going to be a cutoff here now. Like I'm going to take this step. And how would you describe um, the process of leaning more into those whispers? Because I feel like uh, to the outside eye, seeing that big jump looks like, you know, intimidating or, you know, it, it feels like too, too much to grab. But I, I was hoping that with, with your story and how you started to listen to your inner voice and your knowing of what you wanted to do, that it could um, give our listeners some sort of something to hold on to and encouragement for how they can just lean in a little bit, just in subtle ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, the listening started in kind of the awareness of, ooh, like I really don't like what I'm doing. So in my spare time, I'm going to study holistic nutrition and yoga and all these things just to stay sane, you know? And then for me, the final kind of piece of the puzzle was actually my body. I burned myself out. I actually ended up getting shingles. And I was in this place of really not wanting to go to work every day and also being aware that the level at which at which I was at in terms of being an executive and people in the company I was at, like looking to further my career 
and make commitments and all of these things, I was like, I'm just getting further along this path that I really do not want to be on. And I need to get out now because the further I go, it's like almost the harder it's going to be because I don't, I've never been good at pretending and I have no interest in pretending. I'm very truthful in terms of what my truth is. Um, so from that place, I was like, I can't, you know, commit to this company that I want to be with them for a year, for five years, for 10 years and be, you know, that very top level of that and make all these promises to these people about this being my vision and my dreams. Because as I get more and more down this path, like I, it, the bottom line doesn't matter to me if it's not incorporating people, if it's not incorporating joy, happiness, quality of life, all these things. So. It, yeah. Isn't it so confusing though, when you're so good at something, how confusing is that? Like, it's like that, be careful what you get good at. And that, that conversation about your zone of, um, excellence versus your zone of genius. Yeah. It's like when everything, but I, I think you had the unique experience where you felt like this felt bad. I think that sometimes it can feel like for me, my, my last job for so long, I was like, wow, I'm really good at this. And I don't hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, like it's good. It's fun. But, but, but there's this very distinct um, uh, unrest that kind of lies beneath the surface. But I just think it's so powerful when you have the opportunity and the options to keep choosing something that quote unquote makes sense in the yeah. mass form of making sense. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, choose to turn away from that. Yeah. Well, and I think I say it's a blessing and a curse and I don't really know at what point it shifted for me, but I've gotten to a place in my body where something is not in alignment in my body. And often, you know, sometimes I say that could be like even mediocrity, right? Like something is good and fine, but not like it could, it's not great or it's not the dream or whatever. It's like, I get so uncomfortable in my body that I have to do something about it. And so that can be terrifying and I can kick and scream all the way sometimes, but it's also a blessing, right? Like I, I moved from Hawaii to Egypt and Egypt is the opposite of Hawaii. And in many ways, it is not comfortable to be here. <laughs> it is a big adjustment in many ways. Um, and yet I'm following a knowing and a calling and an intuition um, where even though I was very comfortable living in paradise, there was an aspect of my service and my work here in this world and my dream and my vision that I needed to make some changes to be able to fulfill. And what, and what was that? What was which piece? Uh, what was the, the pull to Egypt and how um, Egypt was, was really the opening for you to dive deeper into the work? and your vision. Yeah, absolutely. So initially it was a trip with one of my mentors. Um, and then in getting here, it was just the experience of everything being super expansive. So it was like people reaching out to work with me. It was projects becoming available. It was being connected instantly to, for example, doctors to work with their clients as doulas here. It was just like all of a sudden everything was expanding again, a very, yeah, magic and expansive versus the place that I was in, in Hawaii, there were wonderful things happening, but it was also the end of a cycle and it was feeling kind of stagnant, like the place where you have to push to make things happen. And 
that's a very different sensation than kind of being in alignment and being in your body and being able to feel and being in a place where those aligned choices kind of connect to the opportunities and it all just kind of happens. And it happens with ease and grace and flow and it's that feminine receptivity and all of the things. Um, so it's also really interesting that I am exploring that path of my journey and needing to be really strongly in my feminine energy in such a masculine place. There's very strong primal masculine energy. So everything, as you're saying this, I'm now thinking about like the compass that you use to get you to where you are now, it's must be totally echoed in your work. Like, so in, in your work with, um, uh, transformation around birth and sexuality, what are, what are some of the ways that you can introduce someone that kind of knows nothing about, about your work? How can you, um, kind of welcome them into your world? Because, um, I'm curious. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what level of exposure uh, the listeners have to this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say there's, there's kind of two aspects of it, right? Because part of, I think how we've gotten to where we are is having a really big emphasis on the mental gate and our brain and the way we think about things. Right. So for some people, if they're new to this, right, like an explanation that will appeal to their brain, is going to be what they're able to receive about it. Right. So, so there's that aspect. Um, and then there's also the element of the body component, right? So I would say probably in introducing people to the concept, like explaining why it's important and how aspects of this can empower them, um, which we can go more into that in a minute. And then it's also touching into, okay, like, what is your current relationship with your body? Like, do you have awareness of how you're feeling even in this moment? Like, can you connect to your breath? Can you feel your heartbeat? Can you feel if your nervous system is activated, you're in parasympathetic, you're in sympathetic, are you feeling anxiety? Are you feeling, you know, some of these things because we've been taught and conditioned to be so shut down and not have that relationship. And before going, well, not even before going anywhere near sexuality, but like those are, they seem simple, but like the primary even steps to be able to tap into the places of, okay, what does pleasure feel like in my body, right? Like, am I receptive? Am I open to receive? Do I even know what those sensations feel like in different parts of my body? And if we're not living from a place of being present in our body, a lot of the time, which most of us are not, most of us wake up, we go to our brain, what do I need to do today? move through, react to whatever's happening, you know, okay, maybe I'm so hungry, I need to eat, maybe I need to go to the bathroom, you know, uh, these things too that we often like push off, we push off our bodily needs, Um, but connecting to your current relationship with how often you're present in your body and what that relationship is like is kind of the first step in terms of that body piece. And then being able to connect that with, okay, what, what are the thoughts that I'm having about my body? What are the thoughts that I have about pleasure? What are the thoughts that I have about sexuality? These are all things that I dive deeply into with people and there's lots of layers to it. Um, and it's very individual, but it really starts from a very simple place. 
a very simple place, but I, I would say very elusive place. Like I, I could imagine, you know, there are some senses of me that are even like, but what does that even look like? Like, what is that even, you know, sometimes I'll be in a yoga class and I'll feel like this is it. This is, this is it. And it's like funny how it's like a blink of my day. And I feel connected. There are other times where I'm in a yoga class where I feel like there were 47 rabid monkeys like clawing at my insides. And I'm like in a pose, but I'm like, I just, there's so much I need to do, you know, but um, this, this shift of living from an embodied place and being connected to um, just what you need uh, before the feeling of lack, like you were saying, sometimes we push off our needs, like eating and whatever it is, um, and delay that, like choosing to respond rather react. Like what is the beginning of that relationship with yourself look like, um, when you feel like you can't really hear yourself? I would say it's creating that space to start to hear yourself. And for everyone that looks different, but it's literally like what, what do you, can you write? And because for lots of people, they don't, they'll have to create the space, but like, can you create five minutes for yourself to sit by yourself and tune in? And for some people, right, even like the idea of meditating for one minute is super intimidating or inaccessible. So it's like, what is that next step? Is it like physically removing yourself from other people and being in a room by yourself, maybe with music? maybe going out to nature, like what's that step to kind of start peeling away, away those layers. Maybe that's a little bit on the edge of your comfort zone, but that you can commit to that will allow you to be more aware of your surroundings. And also tapping into that awareness, like what are these elements that allow you to be present in your body? Is it nature? Is it exercise? Is it a certain music? You know, so what elements can you incorporate to and this is another thing I want to add to make that experience pleasurable so that you want to do it right the idea of meditation and mindfulness can be like like kind of intimidating and also like meditation in some ways is a very masculine practice if you're sitting there and not moving and and doing a very like solitary kind of confined practice like that um but what what would you be excited about creating for yourself as an experience for those three to five minutes, if that's all you can create up to, you know, as you start to do that and get into the habit and then you're like, Ooh, this feels really good. And you can feel how it starts to shift things. And you're like, actually, you know, like maybe I have another minute. (laughs) Like I, you know, like, Ooh, maybe I just spent 10 minutes, you know, and then it like starts to have a compound effect of, of, how does that shift your thought patterns, your breathing, your body, your reactions? Do you have more space to make decisions from? Are you making decisions now from a place of somewhere that's more nourished and more resourced? And then what you actually choose is a different decision than the decision you might make from your brain, right? And that's the other thing is that, I mean, we, we can make decision points from different areas in our body. I've heard it said that we have our brain in our head, we have a brain in our gut, we have a brain in our heart, right? So it's like creating the space to start tapping into some of those things and deciding what feels good and what feels right to you. 
uh, you said such a key thing in that. And when you talk about not just the act of doing it, but going a step further and saying, how is this pleasurable? Like, how would this feel good? And I think oftentimes we do these things um, in the spirit of wellness and productivity and can get caught up in this is a means to an end or you know, there are plenty of times where I'm like, Oh, okay. I have to do this meditation first. And then I'm done and I leave it. And I'm like, well, I didn't, it didn't, that was not transformative for me or, but I'm, I'm like depending on the habit to help me get to that point where it feels pleasurable. But, um, with everything, with working out with like, you know, sometimes eating something nutritiously, oftentimes it's doing it because we know that that's what we quote unquote should do. And also that, logically should lead to this, but can you talk about how to find like the pleasure, uh, within these, these activities that we glaze over, like, you know, in our everyday, in our uh, sexuality? Yeah, absolutely. And I think just briefly introducing an idea in terms of the ideas of masculine and feminine energy. Um, and we can go more into that if you want me to explain what those are, but there's masculine and feminine energy in the world. We all have our own masculine and feminine energy. If we were to kind of compare the two, the masculine is the support in the frame and the feminine is the flow. So when we talk about these wellness activities that are so supposed to support us, right? Like I have friends and clients who are like, okay, in the morning I have my checklist and just kind of like you said, but then they're stressed out if they don't get through the, you know, like it just stresses them even more out. And that's not the point. <laughs> so what I found is it's like, we need to figure out for ourselves what the minimum level of masculine support is. And that may be like putting those five minutes on your calendar. And that is the structure and having a list of possible activities. And the feminine flow is you going through that list and saying, Ooh, what feels good in my body? Like, do I want to go on a five minute walk? Do I want to dance? Do I want to lie on the floor? Do you know, and feeling into each one and having the openness to connect your intuition, decide what's best for you in that moment, because the feminine is always changing and always moving and always expanding and shifting. And that's actually totally, nat- totally natural and totally normal. Like our desires are, are never going to be the same. It's the beauty and often sometimes for some people, the frustration of the feminine, but it's like accepting that. So, so seeing if that makes sense, like, how much masculine support do you need? And for some people who are operating highly in their masculine, they might need more, you know, they might be like, they might need the structure of, okay, I'm going to put those five minutes in my calendar. I'm going to choose from three activities, you know, and they start introducing the feminine flow, like little bit by little bit, because it's uncomfortable and that's totally okay. Yeah. It's, it's funny to think about how it's like a muscle that needs to be worked. It's just like, you start small. And you can build up that muscle over time. Before we go further, you have a, a new program coming out, right? Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that um, that very naturally fits in here and the framework of what you're doing um, and just explaining uh, how you're helping people just access this, this part of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So it's an eight-week program. And it's based on four pillars. And the pillars are your body, your sexuality, your femininity, and your pleasure. And the reason it's eight weeks is because the first week with each pillar is going to be content-based and 
hearing about some of these concepts for the first time, understanding what you've internalized from society, from your family, from trauma, and what's true for you right now, and doing the work around, okay, what's required to shift where you want to go. And then the second week with that pillar is actually going to be an embodied experience of potentially a, a dance or a somatic movement or a meditation practice or something to ground you in your body as a group guided to start connecting you to that place where you have your inner knowing and you're able to start feeling like, Ooh, you know, I noticed this, or I can actually feel this emotion in my body or like this story that I have about my sexual identity is tied here or stored in this memory or stored in this place. So it's a combination of the teachings and the actual practices, which there will actually be practices as well for people to do on their own, but then have kind of the group supported guided ones every other week as well to move through these spaces where you can start to have the knowing in both your brain, because that's what we're used to, and your body. And between those experiences, hopefully start to land some of these concepts and see, see where you're at with all these things for yourself. And how, I would imagine that it takes some, um, to the, to the degree in which you're removed from this concept, it, it takes some onboarding, right? (laughs) So how would you describe some of the benefits of being more connected, like sexually to your pleasure and, and how to shift that mindset from, you know, something that is just like a means to an end or a chore or, you know, having an identity of, well, I can't achieve this. So that's fine. That's just the life I live. You know, (laughs) what does that look like? (laughs) Yeah. Well, for me, honestly, our sexual energy is our life force energy. It's creation. So for men and women, like for men, masculine energy and when I say masculine, I'm using that as a descriptor. Um, so that energy is like a penetrating force. It's logical. It's practical. It gets things done. Okay. So for men, their connection to their sexual energy is very much tied to what they're creating in the world. And for women too, that masculine aspect of them, that's how that's fulfilled. And the feminine side is the receptivity, the ability to magnetize your desires to you right? The feminine is literally, it receives the penetration from the masculine anatomically. And it is not, you know, figuring out all the details. So you can say that the masculine is more linear and logical and brain-based, but the feminine is more feeling and flow and those things. So the other thing to note is that we live in a highly masculinized world, right? And we put so much value on masculine attributes. So we put value on the accomplishments on getting things done, on milestones, on all of these things. And for many people, that's kind of what they set out with their lives to do, right? They want to achieve certain things. They have goals. And it's not actually until they start moving through these achievements and goals that then they might be like, that didn't actually bring me the happiness or the joy or the peace or the, you know, like I have the money, I have the job. And that was kind of where I was at to some extent too. I think that that led to my burnout where it wasn't fulfilling. And so it was like, so then what, what is it? And not having that connection to your sexuality and your essence and your core, it can be really tied to that emptiness. 
And so for me, getting people back into their bodies, getting connected to their life force energy, and for women, whether that's creating a family and babies or projects or businesses or communities, or like we need to be in this creative process. And if we're not, there's stagnancy, there's illness, there's depression, there's so many kind of side effects that I think, you know, we as a society have blamed on other things potentially. But in my work, I've seen that coming back to these things is really an answer for a lot, a lot of these problems that we don't have answers for. Yeah, it's, you know, you talk about the getting to the milestone and getting to the achievement and it not feeling like you thought it would and how we put so much emphasis on that. But, but really, I, you know, it's like cliche at this point to say it's about the journey, not the destination, but like, we're not really living that. Like we're not, because we don't have the words for it really. I don't think that there's a lot of, um, I don't think it's really easy to pinpoint and use words to describe such transcendent experiences. Um, like, you know, I went on a walk today and I was looking at the water and the breeze, you know, went through my hair and I just felt like ethereal or whatever it was, you know, it is not in our DNA or in our, not DNA, that's the wrong word, but it's not in our culture to pinpoint something like that and use it as a talking point. It's like, what did you get done today? You know, like it's, so there's this inherent disconnect. Um, and I think it was on, on your, your website or something from you where you had said something about how the way, like linking your way you orgasm to like your, how you're living life. Is that, is that it, what you're saying? As a barometer for your quality of life. Yeah. Oh, yes. And also, yes. I just, I wanted to add in too, right? Like what you said, it shared about that moment. It's like also in centering that experience and your ability to receive the sensations of that experience in your body, like that's directly linked to your ability to receive money in this world as well. And like receptivity is not just, for example, being able to receive sexually is related to being able to receive money as well and being able to receive in all the different aspects. So we've segregated like all of these different topics into silos and they're not separate. They're the same. So it's like for women, for example, who can't orgasm, right? There's often other places where they're having challenges in their lives and maybe they feel stuck in their job. Maybe they're having problems in their relationship. But you know, they're it's never just one space, but sexuality and that space around sexuality can be an amazing indicator of what are things that I can work on or how can I improve that connection and then you see all the other areas of your life improve as well. So for someone that would, okay. So as an example, for someone that would be like, okay, I'm having trouble receiving, you know, monetarily or achievement in some like masculine, you know, career way. Um, so based on what you're saying, if instead of pushing harder, like in that direction, I'm thinking of the fly, uh, <laughs> just a story about a fly. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> Instead of pushing in that direction, if someone turned their attention more to, you know, maybe their sex life and pleasure and, you know, their walks in the park, um, by placing more focus there is the saying that you would be able to have experience ease in the other area. To some extent. Yes. I would yeah. say 
focusing on how are they receiving in every other area of their life. Like if someone gives them a compliment, what's their response? You know, like, are they open to that? Or do they kind of turn it down and reject the compliment? If someone's trying to help them, do they accept that help? Because that's all related. And then going a step further, like it would be looking at the beliefs under that and whether there's self-worth stuff going on, whether there's body stuff. So there can be lots of layers to that. But in general, yes, I would say that if someone is wanting to receive a pay raise at work, for example, if they were then to do one thing and focus on their self-pleasure practice or focus on the pleasure they were having with their partner and increase that exponentially, then they would see everything shift and also things at work and the amount of money they were receiving would increase as well. It's just so crazy how interconnected everything is. Um, and it's only when we turn our attention to it is that we're able to see it in a million different places. It's like, uh, as someone asked me a question once about, um, it was an intuitive strategy call and she's like, asked me if I had issues with self-worth and I immediately, I was like, no, like I just blazed through it. I was like, no, I did like, it just didn't resonate in, in a very, um, surface level way. Like it wasn't a very obvious thing for me. And then for weeks I was noticing all of the ways and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like it didn't even occur to me in the slightest bit for my whole life. And then I was able to like start seeing it. So, um, I think that this conversation in itself could be so powerful. Um, because even if, you know, you don't identify as someone that's, you know, striving or craving to lean into this area of your life. I think just having the awareness now and leaving this conversation, um, you might be able to start seeing and uncovering some things that you didn't see before. Yeah. And I think there's another element of it too, where it's like, we don't even know what we don't know. Right. So it's like when people are thinking about sex, oftentimes they're like, okay, you know, like maybe some people, most people have sex like once a month or once a year. So it's not really a big deal. Um, and a lot of kind of the messaging and information out there, there's lots of women who aren't orgasming or aren't having positive experiences during sex. So it's like, why, why would I care? And to start, like, that's why one of our focuses in my program is their pleasure to start talking about like, okay, the orgasms that most people know about, the clitoral orgasms are actually like only the tip of the iceberg. And there are so many other types of experiences that are life-changing and so pleasurable and just like, like if someone had those experiences, they would, that's all they would want to do. Right? <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's, <laughs> it's an experience that you have to have that I would love everyone to have. But these things where it's like totally understandable why it's hard to understand the significance and the importance until you start doing this work and you have these experiences in your body and you feel the embodied peace, you feel the peace, you feel the joy, you feel your heart breaking open. You feel like it's a totally different way of being. And I think it's absolutely necessary to be the fullest expression of yourself to connect to that part. And so for people who are wanting to live that path of truth, that path of authenticity, you know, that path of service and full expression, it's like, it's a requirement to go there. And it's not, and then go back to this, like pleasure is actually a requirement, you know, to fulfill your potential and to expand and to 
Like for me, in some ways, I believe it's a path to enlightenment, um, which is not the goal because there's no goal. But it's just, yeah, it's not even not an option. That makes sense. Yeah, is it? Is there is no goal? Like, isn't that the point of pleasure? Is that there yeah. is no goal? It's pleasure for pleasure's sake. And, you know, in a million different other areas of our lives, it's so natural for us to like, want to go beyond, like not just scratch the surface, like the tip of the iceberg, like, oh, if you love this ice cream, you'll really love this ice cream. Or, oh, if you love, uh, the coast of California, you should really go to, you know, New Zealand. I don't know. Just, it's so natural to be like, oh, you like this? Let's go deeper here. Let's go deeper here. But what's interesting is that in those conversations that oftentimes it's contained, it's still contained within a very specific structure. So it's like, Oh, I'm it's the weekend. So I'm really going to push the envelope because this is my two days of, of freedom. And then I have my work week starting again. You know what I mean? There's just this different, these different containers of like, Oh, you love this area. Well, maybe next year on your vacation, you can go here but it's like recognizing all of the different ways in which pleasure is available to us at all times and not having to put it so far and plan it as like these rewards or these uh, distant little sparkles in our lives and really intertwining it um, into our every, every day as much as possible. It's, it's, it's really important and not just like a, a nice to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so important to cultivate that connection with your body to be able to know, like in this moment, what would give me pleasure? What do I want? Like, what do I want to be drinking? Where do I want to be sitting? What do I want to be wearing? You know, like what light do I want? Because I feel like we often make these choices so many times out of convenience or out of what we think is practical or, you know, like what we think is healthy, so all of these different kind of labels and stories. And in cultivating the connection with your body, you actually get really in touch with, ooh, like actually I really prefer these fabrics and I enjoy drinking this and it really hydrates my body. And it's like you get so in tune with all of these things that you're living from this space of being so connected and nourished. And it's also so much healthier for you as well because it's another conversation but in terms of what we're putting into our body like that disconnect has created a big challenge because some of the things that we think should give us pleasure right it like maybe you know for example let's say like a piece of chocolate cake or something right there's a way that we could eat a whole chocolate cake and not have any satisfaction and there's a way that we could eat a slice of really high quality chocolate cake and be present and enjoy that experience and feel so satiated and delicious and just full from that experience that we don't want anymore. Right. Like we want to go do the next thing. So yeah, our connection to our body and to like what actually is pleasure and how that feels in our body um, can be different from what we think and cultivating that connection is essential to kind of move into that place. totally customizing your experience in life. It's, you know, and channeling that into what's most pleasurable for you is just a natural and uh, obvious thing that gets overlooked. Like we think about when you get your phone and it's on factory settings, of course, you're going to make it 
the way you like it. Like you're going to organize it the way you like it. You're going to like prioritize the apps that you like, you know, you don't just accept most things in your life as the default way, but it seems like the most default things that we come to know and the standards are the biggest things, the most important things, Yeah, (laughs) which is so insane. Um, can you, um, describe some of the experiences of, of your clients that have gone through and done this work and like just some of the feedback that they've experienced, um, benefiting from your, from your, uh, education. Yeah. So for some people, (laughs) I mean, the favorite messages I get are just like, I just had the best sex or orgasm of my life. And I'm like, okay, well go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes me so happy. Um, but so yes, I mean, physical experiences, more permission to really like connect to and step into their desires and their power and what they're wanting to create. Um, For some people it's switching their jobs and picking something that's closer to their heart and more of a passion. For some people it's calling in the relationship of their dreams. For some people it's making more money at work because they've opened their channels of receptivity. So it's really across the board for some people it's, being more comfortable in their body and shifting their body mass to something that's better suited to their frame. For some people, it's increased self-confidence. For some people, it's like all of those different things. Um, So it really, like the way I would describe it, and just going back to, to what you said at the very beginning in terms of my journey through yoga and meditation and all of these things, I think what I realized is that for some people, there's going to be, you know, one yoga pose that maybe that changes their life. Right. Um, Or for some people, one meditation practice that it just really lights up their brain. It's like, do you think this is it? And it shifts everything. And when it comes to sexuality, for me, it feels like for every single person who does this work, it's been transformational and life changing. So obviously each person has their own, stories and stuff and some people trauma and things to kind of move through but ultimately showing up and being present and doing that work always shifts things in an expansive and healing way you said the word permission Mm -hmm. and that is such a big that was one of the words that kind of clicked me on in a different way uh last year actually So even in my craft of taking photographs of people and I, I have this really deep desire to show them something very true about themselves and kind of remove that guard and remove the performance aspect of it. And someone once told me that, oh, you give permission for someone to be present in their life. And it felt, I had a very weird reaction to it. It felt like who am I to give permission? I don't give everyone. Of course, everyone has permission. I don't need to be the one to give permission to someone like that's weird. It it made me uncomfortable for a moment, but then I just kept thinking about it. Like it's so true when you create a space and a container for someone and you just become a stand for a very specific experience. Um, there's a very natural, uh, a very natural flow to that. So when someone is looking for direction for what to do during a photo session, instead of giving a formula, giving a pose that creates a templatized sort of aspect, 
I always work to, because of the type of work that I do, ask them a question and just lead them into themselves and lead them into a place where they're more in their body and in their heart than worrying about the camera in front of them. And it seems like that is an essential part of your teachings and your coaching is just like, and there is no templatized version. There's no recipe. It's very individualistic. It's like, what feels good for you? Oh, that feels good. Well, how does that open? How do we open more into that? How do we open more into that? And it's just so, it's just mind blowing how I can see a million different ways in which your work has like these parallel lanes in all areas of life. And it's so simple. It's like, what feels good? What feels good? You have permission to go deeper into that, whatever that is. Exactly. Exactly. And that's so powerful because there's also, I mean, specifically around these topics as well, so much shame and blame and judgment. And so it's like removing all of that and seeing where you're at and being totally present and accepting and loving. Yeah. And from that place, feeling into, ooh, how can I open even more? How can I be more in my heart? You know, what does feel good? And how can we expand that? What else is possible? What else is possible? That is, should that be like the title? What else is possible? <laughs> I love that. Um, can you just give us a little, like for those of us that are listening, they're like, tell me more. (laughs) Can you let people know, um, more about like the logistics of the program, like when it's happening or, um, just other ways in which they can find you and be a part of your world? Yes, absolutely. I'm just looking at the calendar. So this is an eight week program for women and we meet once a week starting October 16th and it will go, I believe to December 4th and we'll be meeting on Sundays. Um, on Zoom, we'll be 75-minute session, um, 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. So we'll have people from all over the world. That was the, the best choice for as many time zones as possible. Um, and if you can't make all the sessions, totally okay. They'll be recorded. We'll have a Facebook group where you're supported through the whole way. Um, and other than that, if being in a group or the timing doesn't work for you right now, I also take one on clients so you can just pop over to that website, which I'll send you that link so that you can give it to people um, and contact more information on what it looks like. For oh, amazing. And, you know, I just have to say, I always have to comment on the community aspect of things because I am, um, I don't want to say a recovering hermit. I'm still a hermit. I'm in my basement right now, but I, <laughs> I was just someone, I'm such an introvert. And I was like that token person that was like in a group project. I'm like, I'll sign your name to it. It's fine. I'm going to do it myself. Um, <laughs> and so the community aspect of these programs that I've been a part of never really was the thing that drew me, but honestly, it has been probably the most powerful um, aspect of of all of this work of being able to just see people that are not me and are not my, you know, immediate friends and family that I connect with even more so because it's just like, there's this intangible uh, connection point where all of these people from all of these walks of life and places and spaces find their way to these very central soul driven initiatives and projects and 
missions and just being able to witness other people's experiences and to know you're not alone in that and to feel that love and support has been so game changing. So I just had to throw that out there in case anyone's like a group environment with this conversation. Um, I promise it's like the most amazing, amazing experience. And um, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, it's and, how I, I was led to you. <laughs> exactly. And it gives, like, we were just talking about permission. It gives permission, like being in that group, right? Like being one-on-one, you can have one-on-one support. And sometimes, you know, that's a better place to start for people. Or if they're dealing with something specific, I also offer additional one-on-one support in this group program as well. If someone's watching oh. that additional layer. But being in the group, like you said, you see other people's experience mirrored. You learn from their questions, you learn from their experience, you connect to them, you celebrate each other. Like it feels so good. And there's an aspect of being in feminine energy and gathering as women that's so important as well because we have we have sister wounding, we have competition with other women, we have some of these things that's been established and it's so healing to be part of spaces where that's not present or it's actively healing. You know, it's, and it makes so much sense because everything that we're talking about, it's this uncovering, it's this pulling off all of the layers that a societal, a society in a large scale has like over time, you know, layered on about like all the shoulds and all of the quote unquote normals. Um, so welcoming yourself into a world in which that is not so normalizes it even more for you. So it's like, I, you know, between all the podcasts I listen to and all the groups I've been a part of now, it almost feels like I've gotten to the point where these conversations are just as normal. It's not like I felt in the beginning, I felt like, oh my gosh, I have this little secret underground universe. What is it? Like the speakeasy. It's like a speakeasy of like (laughs) my, my heart and soul and like what I really want to be true for the world versus like my whole life of like uh, this narrative and now being able to like immerse myself and surround myself with um, people that share, share this, this heart and all of these things, they now feel very equal to each other. And I think that's very helpful. It's very helpful to create that normal for yourself. You are in control of creating your reality you can create the reality in which you want to exist. And I've done that in joining these communities, creating communities and connecting with people that feel inclined to these topics and these visions that I feel inclined to. Sometimes in the beginning can feel like what you're yearning for is like in this competition with like the social norms that feel and it feels so it's like this little glimmer of like but I, I want this to be true versus like your outer reality experience but when you lean into these communities that you really connect with and you find more and you listen to podcasts about it and you just like really lean into that your experience like your reality of what you want to be true grows right so then you're at a point where it's like well this 
is like an apple and a banana. It's not like a grain of sand and a watermelon. It's like, okay, I, I recognize that a lot of reality looks like this, but my reality, I choose to look like this. Um, it's just one of the many benefits of like welcoming yourself into group experiences and like leaning into programs like the one you're offering, Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get in on actual conversations with me, join the Help Me See podcast private Facebook group. Every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on live for Q&A on the latest episode and for free consulting if you need a bit of help thinking about ways to save your memories. Did you get something out of this episode? I really, really, really hope you did. And I would love to hear from you. I'm on a mission to empower you to feel peace knowing that you are not missing your life. One of the best ways that you can support me is leaving a review. And honestly, I'd rather hear about the memory you saved because of this podcast rather than any kind of accolade. Tell me how this podcast has impacted you. And one, I'll probably cry. (laughs) And two, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Take a minute and head out to the link in the bio to write a review now on the podcast.